0: Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch.
1: A curveball! Through the deep lap. Gonna get way, way, out of here and down on And they have five at ten four. Wow, wow. Now it's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of Brewers on Tap. It is great to have you with us. We hope we can get you sent off into the weekend in good spirits as the Brewers' season, of course, came to a close a couple of weeks ago with that loss in the Wild Card Series to the Dodgers, who are fighting their way through the World Series right now against the Tampa Bay Rays. It's good to have you with us, though. We're going to catch you up on some things since the season ended, and primarily we're going to bring you a sit-down conversation between myself and the skipper, Craig Council, to wrap up the 2020 season and all the uniqueness of it, but the Brewers still making the postseason for the third consecutive year, even though when you talk to people within the organization, they hoped for a little bit more, and they're hoping for even more in 2021. So that's coming your way in just a few moments. Of course, the Brewers are really excited about some of the young, dynamic arms in this organization, and rightfully so. Corbin Burns had one of the great bounce-back years in Major League Baseball this year after that forgettable 2019. Corbin Burns was one of the pitchers in the National League in 2020. Had he not gotten hurt in his last start of the year against the St. Louis Cardinals, Corbin Burns may very well have ended up winning a Cy Young or being right in the mix for the NL Cy Young Award. And, of course, the Brewers have, who I think, and I think most people would agree with me, is the odds-on favorite to be the NL reliever of the year, and that is Devin Williams. What a breakout season he had this year for the crew as well. Freddy Peralta had a very productive year on the mound. Can he take another step forward now that he's got the curveball and the slider? And, of course, we know when those two things are complementing that really good fastball, that's a very good mixture for Freddie Peralta. He seems to be continuing on a good trend and on a good track from a pitching standpoint. So there's a lot of things to be excited about. Brandon Woodruff was Brandon Woodruff, especially towards the end of the year. And the Brewers have a lot of arms to build around, along with, of course, the, the corner piece of this organization in Christian Yelich. The Brewers are certainly going to look at options at the corners on the infield. Third base, first base, Jed Jerko probably comes back. So those are going to be some interesting things to follow over the course of this year. And how do they manage this roster? How do they build this roster going into 2021? Those are things that we're all going to be paying close attention to this year. There's no doubt about that well without further ado let's listen in to my sit down with the brewers skipper craig council craig council is our guest on clubhouse conversations as we wrap up the 2020 regular season it was certainly a unique one and uh, i think craig can speak to that as well as anybody there was a lot of different about 2020 i think you guys embraced it the best that you could and certainly managed it from a health standpoint and from a safety standpoint about as well as anybody could. Have you had a chance, Craig, to look back on this season yet and really absorb what this all was and everything that happened?
0: Well, yeah, I think as, you know, like for, for any of us, as we get a little space um, between something we did that was that was really different, you, you start to think about it a little bit. And, um, you know, the, there's things that we we did right. I mean, I think like the health and – Safety and the hard work that um, our, our training staff put in, our medical director put in, um, our clubhouse staff to to keep us safe, um, to to organize a great environment. That was a that was a major success, and, and I think um, we should applaud all those all the people that work so hard at it in the organization. They did a great job. Um, on the field it was you know, I, I felt like it, w- it was a challenging year for us. There was obstacles um, continually thrown at us. Uh, I think the players did a heck of a job um, you know operating in an environment that is really different. Um, you know we, we figured out a way to get to the playoffs. Um, and, and that's you know it, it, that's a success, it is um, any way you look at it. but but we we, we did run out of steam and, and I don't think we were, you know, we just weren't good enough to, to beat a team like the Dodgers at, at you know, this year, um, you know, they obviously have proven that they're a really good team. And, and I think we knew that coming in, but I think, you know, we just weren't good enough to beat a team like that.
1: Craig, how hard is it to look back and, and analyze the production on the field? Maybe not so much from a, this guy excelled standpoint, because I think if you were able to excel in this atmosphere, you're probably going to be able to carry that over. Um, to, to normal times. But for the guys that struggled, a lot of it could have been associated with a start and a stop of the season. And of course, no fans and the different protocols. How hard is it going to be to look back and really look at some of this production and say, okay, this was real. This is something we think was just an anomaly and we move forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I don't think, you know, no matter what reasons we assign to success or to struggles, um you know we're, we're we're attaching a narrative to this and and that that can get you in trouble um so we, we just got to make the best decision we can I, I don't think uh we, you're going to be right on all of them or, or the narratives we create are going to be right um and the other here's the other thing guys just have bad seasons like COVID right. non-COVID so you guys are going to struggle um and so we, we, you just have to understand that and um you know, our job is to just put as many good players out there to put them in positions to succeed. And then that, you know, adds up to, to a good baseball team. We're going to have players next year that struggle. Um, we're going to have players that have great years and and it's not going to all be, be because of, you know, we had a different environment this year, or we have a better environment next year, or there's something about next year is likely to be different as well. So You know, For us, it's just let's get as many good players as we can. Let's put them all in a good spot to succeed. Let's create a great culture um, and then go out and win some baseball games.
1: And the other thing is, Craig, is that yeah, we can talk about all the things that were different, but maybe the biggest thing that was different was it was 60 games. And how many times have we seen guys? I mean, Joey Votto, a couple of times in the last five years, has gotten off to to really rough starts halfway through the season, and then his second halves were huge. And, And you can find all sorts of examples of that. Uh, same type of situation. And so you kind of have to take everything with a grain of salt because of that too. Right.
0: Uh, That's probably the biggest reason we have to be careful with, with all our assessments is just the, the sample we're dealing with is so small. Um, so for, you know, the relievers, they, they threw 20 innings, uh, they threw between 20 and 30 innings. Um, you know, the, the, some guys were making, um, big judgments on a hundred plate appearances. And, And so, it's it's just not a lot, and, and we have to be careful. We we always caution ourselves against in baseball against the small sample alert, um, and this was you know this was it. Um, yet we're still going to make seasonal um, decisions on it, so it makes it very challenging for David Stearns for sure. Um, and I think um, you know we're, you just got to do your best. We this is the information we have, and we're going to have to make decisions going forward with it.
1: One thing we have today that maybe we didn't have as much of 20, 30 years ago is expansive data, right? Like different ways to look at guys' seasons and understand, okay, this is why this happened, or maybe this is more attributed to bad luck than anything else. And and the one thing about Christian's season is that, first off, I don't think he ever felt like he totally turned the corner in terms of being comfortable at the plate. But at the same time, you look at some of the data, I mean, the hard hit rate was still really good. He was hitting the ball about as hard as anybody in baseball. And when you think about that and you apply it over 162, I mean, I just think we know what kind of player he is, obviously. And with the way he was hitting the ball, maybe he was swinging and missing a little bit more in the zone at times, but overall that's a great example of a guy that I think over 162 is still going to put up big numbers.
0: Yeah. I think there's two things. I think one is that, um, Christian has set a bar that is incredible. His, his last two seasons basically have made him the best offensive player in yeah. baseball. And um, so that, that one is going to be, we're going to always compare him to that. Uh, yeah. And you always compare a player to when he's at his best. And I, I, Christian got off to a horrendous start. I don't think, you know, he would tell you that. And he, he did not have his best season. He was not locked in. Um, but I also, the other, the, all the underlying things with Christian are the same. And, um, yeah. and so that's, it's all in that part is probably the least of our concerns is that Christian's going um, really to uh, be a really good player. He's going to be a really good player. I'm confident he's going to have a really good year next year. Um, I, I think we'll spend most of our time uh, around other issues and, uh, and, and know that Christian's going to be a really good player.
1: The other thing I think we forget is he was coming off a, a fairly serious injury that, that ended his 2019 season. And so he had a different offseason and he spent a lot of time getting himself ready to go for spring training. And then it gets shut down. That's, that's harder than people realize, I think, for guys to start and stop, especially when they're coming off an injury like that.
0: Yeah, he, he did miss, you know, the last part of 2019. Um, and he, he did, uh, you know, he, he didn't really start actually in spring training ever because there was like the contract stuff was going on. So we never really got him started in the first spring training. So it it was a significant amount of time off for him. Um, but I don't, I don't think he would make any excuses for, for the season. He's, he just didn't get it going this year, um, to, to the level that he's accustomed to. And if anything, it motivates me more to, to get it going for 2021.
1: Craig, the two big stories, um, and there's, there's there's a bunch of other ones, but the two main headlining stories in terms of unbelievable success in 2020 are Corbin Burns and Devin Williams. And I think you had a feeling that Corbin Burns was going to be able to come back and really bounce back from 2019 with the work that he put in in the offseason and the way he threw the ball in spring. He really looked like a different guy. But Devin Williams and the step forward that he took as well. I, everybody knew the natural stuff was there, but for him to become in my opinion, the most dominant reliever in baseball this year. Those are two just incredible stories that are going to be really fun to look back on for years to come.
0: Yeah. With Corbin, it was, it was really fascinating. I think looking back on it, looking back to 2019 when he struggled and kind of as we got to the end of the year and, and talking to him and um, <clears throat> you know, just, just hearing his plan for, for the winter and what I was look back and was always impressed is There was a real certainty within Corbin about what was going to happen kind of in the winter of 2019 um, and how he was going to fix himself. And it, this was really led by – there's times, I think, where we help the player, but this was, this was Corbin Burns leading us and, and telling us how this is going to work. And there was a lot of certainty to it. This, he, he knew he was going to fix himself. He, knew, he kind of knew what went wrong. Um, and he went out and he attacked it and he, he had, you know, we talk about having great off seasons and we talk about this, like showing up in the best shape of your life. Yeah. Corbin wasn't like in the best, maybe physical shape, but, but he fixed himself. He understood what he had to fix and he did a heck of a job of it. And you're right. When he came to spring training, it was a different guy. And a lot of credit goes to him of how hard he worked and and his plan for the off season. Um, in Devin's case, uh, I think you're right. I mean, I, you know, as we entered spring training, um, you know, I think we all had Devin on the team um, in, the, in the original spring training. He didn't have a great spring um, in, in, in Phoenix and certainly didn't show the dominance that, um, that we saw during the season. Um, and I don't, I don't even think I really, you really saw it in summer camp. The stuff you saw, you saw some flashes of special change-ups but then the confidence in the changeup started to come as the season started. And as he got confidence in that pitch, um, it changed him on the mound. And um, he he just took off. And I think you started to see how some hitters started reacting to his changeup. You started to see, like, the hitter knows a changeup's coming. I'm throwing it. They still don't hit it. That's a big aha moment for a pitcher mm-hmm. when my best pitch, they know it's coming and they can't hit it. Um, and I think that that kind of feedback
1: from the hitter really made a difference for Devin. Craig with Corbin, you, you talked about how he, he, he worked hard. He had this plan that he was going to put in place and he's talked a lot about it, obviously too. And a lot of it was mental for him. He said, and working on kind of controlling and harnessing that energy, such a competitive guy. How much do you think the success he had in 2018 helped him have that mindset going into the offseason of 2019, knowing, Hey, look, I've, I've succeeded on the biggest stage. I've gotten major league hitters out. This isn't something I have to wonder about as if I'm a double A or triple A guy that hasn't had that taste yet. Do you think that taste at the end of 18 and and being put in such high leverage spots in the postseason helped him understand, look, I can get back to that because I've been there before and I can even be better than that?
0: It always helps Uh, success at the level that you're trying to like master. I think Um, even if it's brief um, it, it it is something that you lean on for sure. And I think he, he had, you know, it was a 30 inning sample uh, which is really a bigger sample than 2020 for relievers. And so he, and he had success and he pitched in huge moments. He pitched in huge playoff moments. And um, I, I do think it's, it's, you're not guessing whether you can have success. Then, you know, you've had success. And so it it does, there is a piece to that, um, that I think it gives you. And it also, there's also a feeling of where I know where to go back to. And I know what to attack because I know I've been successful.
1: Well, I want to just say a few more things on Devin, because I don't know that you can say enough about the season he put together. Uh, Obviously you've seen Josh Hader dominate at an incredible level, a historic level himself. Uh, to see Devin do it with that changeup, uh, it was probably the best pitch in baseball this year. I'm sure somebody smarter than me can, can find all the data to prove that. Um, when you see somebody dominate with something beyond their fastball, I mean, you saw Trevor Hoffman, obviously, uh, who, who was great as a reliever with a great changeup, maybe did it a little bit differently than Devin does it. But when somebody does that like that, as you said, everybody knows it's coming, it doesn't matter. How hard is it to accomplish that without the fastball? being the primary pitch.
0: Well, I, I don't, I don't think it necessarily matters. I think pitching is about, you know, upsetting hitters, timing and, and rhythm and you can do it with pitches that go, you know, East and West. You can do with pitches that go North and South. Uh, you can do it with velocity variations. You can do it late movement. Um, there's lots of different ways that pitchers can be successful. Um, and Devin's doing it with a with a big velocity difference in two pitches, and then a and then a pitch that has very unique movement profiles. So, by that I mean his changeup moves differently than than every other changeup that hitters see, and that's what hitters don't like. They don't like things that they never see. Right. Hitting is hard enough, and the hitters calibrate, you know, that's, that's what they do with their eyes. Their eyes are master calibrators. And so as they see something, they make adjustments incredibly quickly and they never saw Devin's pitch. You know, they never see that pitch from other pitchers. So the first, you know, you go through a, you go through a game and you see it and and you you just can't calibrate fast enough and you're at bats over and you've swung and missed a couple of times and you're walking back to the dugout. And that's, that's what Devin's, that's what makes pitchers special. And that's what makes Devin's changeup special.
1: Craig Justin Topa is an unbelievable story too. Double Tommy John guy, and you were able to use him in some big spots in the postseason, and he responded. He he looks like he could be one of these great stories moving forward because the pure stuff is clearly there. We we've had we had the the bright spot of the season was
0: some of our. Um, um you know performances out of the bullpen from some uns- unsung guys and, and not names that you talk about a lot but i think justin top is right, right at the front of the list of a guy who um you know really came out of nowhere was not in our plans and and every year you're gonna have relievers like that mm-hmm. Uh but he, he made a significant impact at a big time in the season and um he's got a really good arm. It's, it's huge velocity, which is what you see in these playoffs is guys with monster velocity having success. And that's what Justin is. It's, it's big velocity. It's a sinker. Um, You know, and, and so he's, he's an important part of 2021, I think. And, and uh, guys like Eric Yardley and Drew Rasmussen, how they step forward um, give us a really good core of a bullpen um, moving forward.
1: Craig, there were a lot of, rule changes this year some that were put in place before the pandemic hit some that were put in place simply because of the uniqueness of the season the three batter minimum was already in place that was already going to happen um, i'd love to get your thoughts on that and then beyond that some of the rules that were kind of experimented with and whether or not you see any of those sticking around moving forward
0: yeah i mean I, the three batter minimum was um, you know I, I don't i still say it it, it if it's done purely for speed of the game and taking strategy out of the game, I, the, we can't just take every piece of strategy out of the yeah. game and, and sanitize the game. I, I don't think it'll be, uh, incredibly, I think that's part of what attracts people. It's part of what creates baseball fans is, is the strategy of it. Um, so we have to be careful about how much strategy we take out of the game. Um, i i really enjoyed the man on second rule and extra innings i i think it's a rule that should stay i think it's you know i've commented on it the worst thing you can do is play 17 innings and then you have to send a player down who performed well i think it's one of them it was completely unfair we did we had to do it multiple times in the past couple years a pitcher pitches three innings he has options He's tired. He can't pitch the next day. So we have to send him down. It, it made no sense. And I think this rule really made it so you never played 17 inning games. You might pay 11 or 12 innings, but you'd never play that long game that cost somebody their roster spot. Um, so th- those were the two, the, the DH is another, I think, significant uh, mm-hmm. rule that you, we want to know. I think if you're building a roster in the national league, like you really have to know, is there going to be a DH? Is there not? And, and sooner than later, I think is, I know what David would say.
1: Yeah. You got to know that stuff before the, the tender non-tender date, right? Yeah. That's really, and obviously we have a,
0: we have, yeah. And we have a player who, Daniel Vogelbach, who is, you know, primarily a designated hitter. And so it's, it's an important thing to know.
1: How fun was he to watch this year? I mean, he became one of my favorites because one he hit and performed but he brought an energy. I mean, even in between pitches, when he'd take a pitch, talking to himself in the batter's box, he was really fun and entertaining to watch play the game.
0: Yeah, he was, and and he was a he was a big ad for us and big ad for our energy. Really, in the dugout, I think he was really good. He he was for our position players. He um, kind of never stopped talking, never stopped talking about the game, but his at bats, about what the pitcher was going to do, um, and really brought some good life to our dugout.
1: Craig, one last thing before I let you go. It was a strange year as we started the the conversation and no Bob Euchre in the clubhouse around the team on a regular basis. I mean, it was weird for us not being around the team It's really, really weird for Bob Euchre not to be around the team. And I know it was weird for you, a guy that grew up at County Stadium, being around Brewers baseball your whole life, not to see you on a daily basis. How how hard was that at times not to see him walking around and having fun and, and engaging the guys?
0: yeah well, I think what we all learned is the interaction before the game that we have with uh, you know you guys with with Uke, um, with with media, with with just you know friends that come is is part of the best um, thing of what we do. and And so missing that with Uke every day, I, I get the opportunity to sit with him. Um, on a daily basis at home games and we talk about, you know, we have a five minute show that, uh, talks about the game that, that night or talks about what happened the day before, but we also just have a baseball conversation and mm-hmm. we share some laughs, um, and you miss that. And that's that interaction, I think is something we all missed. Um, you know, I, I think we learned that baseball we are live entertainment that that's really what we are yeah. and I, I think we felt that missing for us for a lot of us we felt how we missed that and you don't think of yourself sometime as a live entertainer you think of yourself as a baseball player but but we're live entertainers and that live entertainment is something that uh, we all enjoy we all love to do um and Yuke's a part of that you know in, in his you know in, in his own way for sure um and we missed it this year
1: well, Craig, congratulations. Three straight postseasons, never been done before in Brewers history. And you were the manager to get that done. Um, great testament to the culture you've created and uh, the way the guys have bought into it as well. And uh, enjoy your offseason to the best degree that you can. And, and we'll look forward to seeing you in spring training.
0: All right, Lane. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it.
1: All right. There is the manager of the Brewers. What a job he has done. And Can't wait to see what he's going to be able to do in 2021 at the helm of this organization once again on the field. That is, of course, my conversation with Craig Council during our Clubhouse Conversation series. We wrapped up the regular season version of the Clubhouse Conversations. We'll also have some of those coming your way on Brewers.com over the course of the offseason as they are necessary or as we have information we want to bring to you so look forward to that we'll make announcements as those come out over the course of the next couple of months. But for now that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for joining us all season long on Brewers on Tap. You better believe we'll have more for you periodically over the course of the next few months. Stay healthy everybody. I'm Lane Grindle. Thanks for listening.